today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. I like Psalm 91, verse 15. It says, He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. God promises us. In the day of trouble, we can call on Him. He's not a fair-weather friend that's just with us in the good times. He's with us in the difficult times. He's willing to listen to us. He's willing to hear our voice. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and No matter what we face in this life, God is with us. He is there when we are joyous and filled with hope and celebrates with us in our triumphs. He's also there when we hit our limits, when we fall and can't seem to find a way to get up. He comforts us when we are sick or sad or anxious. Pastor Ed today encourages us to reach out to God no matter our current state of mind. We can praise Him in our good times and we can cry out to Him in our distress. He will hear us no matter what and will never, ever leave. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Theology of Suffering and Healing. Building in Faith. Turn in your Bibles to the book of James. We're continuing our series in James, chapter 5. I'd like to make a comment before we begin reading the text. The church, to be balanced, needs to fly on two wings. It's not enough to have just one wing. Sometimes, in charismatic Pentecostal circles, we lack a theology of suffering. The Bible clearly teaches that suffering is part of the journey. And sometimes people don't experience deliverance or healing or something supernatural. But we cannot just have a theology of suffering. There must be also a theology of healing and deliverance. Because the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus Christ heals. He delivers. There are miracles that still happen. And I'm going to spend time In this fifth chapter, focusing on prayer and healing and deliverance. Because our God still heals. And I believe that the church is not seeing enough healing. That God wants to give us more than we're experiencing. And so we're going to go, as it were, back to basics. As we look at the text this morning in James chapter 5. Beginning to read with verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, 
Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The ancient historian Eusebius wrote about James, the author of the book of James, the half-brother of our Lord. And he said that James, and this is in his writings, he said, his knees grew hard like a camel's because of his constant worship of God, kneeling and asking forgiveness for the people. He would constantly go to the temple in Jerusalem, and he would kneel, and he would pray, he would fast, he would intercede for the people of Israel, he would ask God to forgive them for their sin of rejecting Christ. He would pray for the church. James was a prayer warrior, and his words about healing and his words about deliverance, we should truly pay attention to. He was First of all, as we said, the half-brother of our Lord. He grew up with our Lord Jesus. He knew what Jesus was teaching when Jesus taught and preached and ministered healing. We should listen to him because this is sacred scripture. This is the word of God. And this man walked his talk. He was a leader of the early church. He was a leader of the Jerusalem church. And so he knew what he was talking about. I'd like to look at this text in three ways. The first is this, when to pray. When should we pray? In verse 13, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. We are to pray in times of trouble. Now that word trouble in the NIV in verse 13 is the same word in verse 10 of James chapter 5 where it says suffering. It's not referring to an illness physically as much as persecution, financial problems that the Jewish Christians were going through, some other hardship that they were enduring because of oppression. And so when James talks about trouble here, he's talking about an emotional state where you feel troubled. When you come to a place of trouble, don't gossip. Don't complain against God, against other people. Don't grumble and become moody. James says what you should do at that point when you find yourself in a troubling situation, perhaps it's persecution, perhaps you're being snubbed at work, perhaps because of your stand for Jesus Christ, people turn away from you. He says at that moment, at that time, pray. Pray. It's easy to blame people. It's easy to begin to accusing others and pointing your finger. But no, take it to the Lord in prayer. I like Psalm 91, verse 15. It says, He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. God promises In the day of trouble, we can call on him. He's not a fair-weather friend that's just with us in the good times. He's with us in the difficult times. He's willing to listen to us. He's willing to hear our voice. Now, James goes on and says, not only should we call on him in the day of trouble, but in the times of 
happiness. In the times of happiness. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. It's easy when the blessings are coming our way. When the sunshine is beating down on our path. When everything is going smooth to forget God. To be caught up in the blessings rather than in the blesser. To be caught up in the moment and forget about the God of eternity. And so James says, when you are happy, joyful, at that moment, at that time, sing praises to our God. Don't just sing worship in church. Sing it at home in your prayer closet. Don't just break out the hymn book or the choruses and sing them in the congregation, but in your devotional time or in your car or at home. Put on that Christian music and worship the Lord in the good times when the paycheck is coming in and you're meeting all the bills. Thank the Lord. So James tells us to be careful that we're to pray in the times of trouble, in the happy times. And then he says, pray in times of sickness. Verse 14, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. In these verses, you see, first of all, individual prayer. In verse 13, we're told, pray when you're in trouble. But you also see prayer when leadership is interceding for you. He says, call for the elders of the church. What are the elders of the church? Simply put, it's the leadership of the church. The term was synonymous with pastors and deacons and Terms like that in the New Testament were very close in meaning. Basically, you could take it as the leadership of the church. Now, the picture here and the word for sickness here is not just a a simple sickness like a cold, a sore throat, a headache. When it says sickness here, it's referring to a sickness that brings a person to the point where they can't even get up out of bed. That's why the text says, call for the elders of the church. It gives the implication that the person can't even get to church. They can't get out and corporately be involved with the worshipers. And so he says, call for the elders and then anoint him. In that culture, the Greek culture, the Roman culture, the Hebrew culture, oil was used in a medicinal way. It was used as a medicine. But I don't think that's especially what James is thinking about here. I believe what James is referring to is the symbol of the presence of God. And so when a person was anointed with oil, it symbolized God's healing presence. And I believe what James was doing was saying, look to God as the elders anoint you with oil. Think about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And notice what the text says. Let's look at it for a moment. He says, is anyone sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. He's saying, believe God in the time of your sickness. In 1998, Harvard Medical School sponsored a conference called Spirituality, Healing, in medicine. And they reported, as they took a survey of those who believed in prayer and meditation and spiritual help, and in this survey that they took, they said Americans in general, 86% 
believe that prayer makes a difference, that spirituality makes a difference. They took a survey of physicians. 99% of the physicians said that prayer, spirituality, makes a difference in their patients. 99%. Isn't that amazing? The HMOs that you're a part of, they said it was 94%. Well, that's pretty good. Now, I'm sure there were unbelievers in this survey. I'm sure there were people that didn't know God, didn't attend church, but yet they recognize there is power in prayer. How much should Christians, should churchgoers, who people who know the power of God, trust in what His Word says? God answers prayer. There was an illustration in the Pentecostal Evangel. And this was about a young man by the name of Nathan. The article was back April 17th, the year 2000. Nathan was driving in his parents' convertible. They surmised that he tried to avoid a deer. And as he tried to avoid that deer, he got into an accident. About 45 minutes later, a man by the name of Kevin found him. And he had some medical background, and he realized that he desperately needed help. They called the doctors. They called the ambulance. And this young man, I want to read to you, when he arrived at the hospital, he was suffering from a broken leg, a spinal cord damage, numerous lacerations to his body. Doctors began treating him and found that he was having trouble breathing due to a collapsed lung. They stabilized him. They decided to induce a coma through drugs so that they could help the healing process. He spent four days in that coma, and the doctors estimated his chances of survival were one to a hundred. He had a chance of one in one hundred of surviving. His father began reading him the scripture. He turned to John chapter 11, read the story of Lazarus, and he kept on saying to his son, come forth, come forth, come forth. And he said, you've got to fight. You've got to wake up. The next morning, he began to just come around and come out of that coma. And by the afternoon, he was aware of things. Now, his spinal cord had been damaged, and that was a major concern. Nathan had a fracture in the C4 vertebrae in his neck. That was the same as Christopher Reeve. The doctors gave him a protective neck collar to help prevent against any further separation of his vertebrae. He was in immediate danger of becoming either partially paralyzed or fully paralyzed. Nathan would read the Bible at night. It was his habit as a Christian to pray. And everybody was praying for him. One night as he was reading the Bible and praying, he dozed off to sleep and all of a sudden something snapped inside of him. The doctors were supervising and taking care of him and they were going to take three x-rays the next day just to see the damage of his vertebrae. This is what happened. The next morning, the physicians performed three sets of x-rays to see if the vertebrae were continuing to separate. Instead, the x-rays showed that the vertebrae had fused back together, stunning the doctors and the nurses. There was no medical explanation. God heals. And we need to pray for people to be healed. God does the supernatural. He hasn't changed. James saw that. It was part of the life of the early church. If you read church historians, they tell you 
that anointing with oil, praying over the sick, was a part of church life. They believed that God healed. First century, second century. In fact, William Barclay talks about one book on church administration. And in that church administration, it was talking about presbyters. It says, get presbyters who would have the gift of healing, and they would be used in the church to pray for the sick. As a church... I believe that we should follow the full counsel of God's word. We should endeavor to seek God and say, Lord, if you did it in the book of Acts, if you did it in church history, you can do it today. And so it ought to be something that the church prays about on a continual basis. We ought to say, Lord, we want to see the miraculous done in our midst. Now, how do we pray? We looked at when the pray, how do you pray? In James chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. It says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The first thing, call the elders. Again, the elders were the spiritual leaders. I believe what James was doing was taking the practice that went on in the synagogue because much of the early church copied the service format of the synagogue. Rabbis would pray for the sick. Before they went to the doctor, they would anoint him with oil, and they would pray over them. And now in the New Testament church, where the gift of healing was operating, where people had faith to believe, they would call for the leadership of the church, and they would anoint them with oil, and they would pray over them. Now, watch the biblical text carefully with me. It says, anoint him or her with oil in the name of the Lord. Wasn't the oil that healed them. It was a symbol of God's presence. They would anoint them in the name of the Lord. It's the name of Jesus that heals. It's not the name of some famous evangelist or some famous person that's used in the gifts of the Spirit. It's the name that's above every name. The same name that can save you can heal you. The same name that gets you to heaven can get you through earth. The same name that brought salvation to you can restore your health physically. And so as believers, I'd encourage you, keep on praying, keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Now notice the prayer offered in faith. Whose faith? It's not the faith of the sick person. It's the faith of the elders. I'm not saying that the sick person shouldn't have faith. But I am saying that the Bible text, when it says the prayer offered in faith, is referring to the faith of the elders. Sometimes you're flat on your back, and you don't hardly have any faith. And you just need someone to have faith for you. And you need someone to come around and believe for you. And so that's what he's referring to. Godly men, godly women, godly leaders, who in the time of your need, in the time of your burden, in the time of your sickness, will pray over you. Sometimes you have that witness of the Spirit as you're praying for somebody that God is doing a miracle in there. I was there with George and Carrie, and I think about how God spared her life. I believe that the church does not see enough of the supernatural, that God wants us to see more than we are seeing. And as we believe, as we pray, as we fast, as we walk in obedience to God, as we humble ourselves before the Lord, I believe that God will do supernatural things. Look at the Bible text. When in the Gospel of St. Mark, Jesus sent his apostles out. 
They were his representatives. It says they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, people are still demon-oppressed today. You know, with all the stuff that's on the Internet, all the stuff that's on television, all the stuff that people are opening themselves up to, there is demonic oppression out there. There really is. And you need to walk with God and walk under the blood of Christ. And the Bible text clearly says that they went out and they prayed and they healed. We still need healing and we still need people to be delivered. In Acts chapter 29, the church was being persecuted. The religious leaders said, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. The believers, the apostles got together, they got on their knees, they began to pray, and this is what they prayed for because it was a miracle that got them in prison. A man that hadn't walked, hadn't done anything, he was at the gate beautiful for years and years, was miraculously healed as John and Peter prayed over him in the name of Jesus. That man was healed and he became a witness and the religious leaders became angry. And this is what they, when they went back to church, this is how they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats, the Sanhedrin, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See what they prayed? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God Boldly, And God began to do all sorts of miracles following that prayer. God began doing supernatural things. If you read the book of Acts, and I'll be teaching the book of Acts, but as you read the book of Acts, you see even Peter's shadow. There was a period of time where even Peter's shadow had healing power in it. Our God still does the supernatural. And as a church, as believers, we have to ask the Lord, Lord... We want to see the miraculous. Now, we have to have this balance in our life. In order to be balanced, we have to also have a theology of healing, that God heals. I've shared with you a number of years ago, I worked with a man that was raised from the dead, Brother Clark. He was a pastor, the first senior pastor that I really served full-time under. Brother Clark, when he was a child, is sister was carrying him down the steps and in those days they had long robes and she tripped over the robe and his head hit the corner post at the bottom of the stairs and immediately began to bleed and broke the skull area and they had a nurse come over and he stopped breathing literally stopped breathing they pronounced him dead his mother wouldn't accept it she said God has a purpose for my son and she took Clark in her arms and she began to pray and pace over the floor. And they got some other prayer warriors and they began to pray over this child. And all of a sudden, he came back to life. He coughed up, as he told me, some blood and some mucus and some things. And he said he never put a plate in his head. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. 
Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio willowcreek.com summit.